Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Health While Aging, a podcast that gives you strategies and information about improving the health and well-being of older adults. We discuss common health problems that affect people over age 60, the best ways to prevent and manage those problems, and we also often address common concerns and dilemmas that come up with aging parents and other older loved ones, like what to do if you're worried about falls or safety or memory or even the quality of a senior's health care. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Kernison. I'm a practicing geriatrician, so that means I'm a medical doctor specialized in geriatrics, which is the art and science of modifying healthcare so that it works better for older people and for their families. Today's episode features a special guest, and I'll be speaking with Professor Stephen Golant of the University of Florida, who is the author of the book Aging in the Right Place. Professor Golant has a PhD in social geography and social gerontology and has been conducting research on the housing, mobility, transportation, and long-term care needs of the older adult populations for most of his academic career. Stephen Golant made headlines in 2015 when his book Aging in the Right Place was published, in part because his book encourages readers and policymakers to rethink some of the common assumptions about aging in place, namely that it's always the best option. So I'm thrilled to have him join us as a guest today to discuss aging in place and the alternatives that perhaps we should all be considering. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. So much of your work can be described as environmental gerontology, and I thought it might be nice for us to start by you just telling us a little bit more about what this means. So older people today get no shortage of advice about how to uh, live healthy lives, you know, get those doctor checkups, and eat right, sleep well. Don't be afraid to look good, get those Botox treatments, and uh, <laughs> take those hormones. Uh, that's all good. And, and certainly try to keep as active as possible. What environmental gerontology focuses on is the question of achieving these goals is clearly easier in some places than in others. That is, if you want to keep active and you want to keep healthy lives and you want to look good and you want to have the best of old age, environmental gerontology tells us that in certain kinds of housing situations and neighborhoods and buildings and communities, it is just easier and, and uh, uh, better to achieve those kinds of goals than in others. So environmental gerontology says, you know, Sure, of course it's important to live healthy and, and uh, active lives, but it's going to be easier for older people to accomplish those goals in some places rather than others. And that's what really environmental gerontology is about, is, is how can we manipulate, how can we change, how can we occupy places that best helps us to achieve those goals that uh, allow us to live uh, independent and healthy and happy lives as we get older. So it sounds like it's basically about the the truth that how um, people live their lives and age is profoundly influenced by what's around them and the places where they are. Absolutely. And so you've been studying what makes a difference and what's most important when it comes to that environment, that environmental support for well-being as people get older. Environment matters. And uh, uh, it's often frustrating because uh, there's a tremendous amount of research on how to improve the lives of older people. And often 
the question of uh, whether or not they're living in places closer to their family or whether or not they're living in, in a house that is appropriately designed for them or whether they have good transportation or whether they can get to their doctors easier. These kinds of questions that uh, uh, focus on the role of the place where older people live are often ignored. And, and uh, that's where I try to fill the gap. Well, I do find that many older adults and families are interested in, uh, I guess it's something I hear as a geriatrician. And so being a physician, you know, people often come to us when they have health concerns or problems. But I feel like I do often hear this this question of, of can my mother keep living here or where should she live? And that the question of where to live seems to come up at a certain point. But to come back to your work, many middle-aged or older adults, when asked, voice a strong preference to age in place. This has been, uh, ARP certainly, um, says that they find this over and over again in their surveys. And tell us a little bit more about what do people mean when they say this, uh, that they want to age in place? Well, it turns out aging in place is a rather complicated idea. Uh, And uh, you really have to think carefully about what it means to you when you say, I want to remain as long as possible in my current uh, dwelling, in my current neighborhood. And uh, much of uh, the meaning that meanings that older people uh, attribute to staying put has to do with the fact that they feel very attached, emotionally attached uh, to their current place of residence. They, they like living in a familiar place where they know where their doctors are and, and they like living in a place where their friends are, are, are that they've uh, established long relationships with uh, are, are there. Uh, they, um, you know, they like the idea of remaining in a place where, you know, when it's, when it's convenient, you know, they can look back and say, look at these, look at these little knickknacks and possessions that I have. And uh, that brings back all kinds of good memories. And in many ways, the house is almost like an archaeological site where, you know, you can uh, mine past, past treasures and, and, uh, and experiences by uh, remembering the uh, material aspects of, of where you live. And, and, and possessions and, and home and attachment to these uh, items are very important for older people. Um, it also means, I think, uh, what many of us are, are afraid of, that may be a little strong, but are concerned about it. And the idea is if you move someone else, somewhere else, if you move somewhere else, there is this uh, big uncertainty of the unknown. You know, it's the idea, well, people really know who I am. And well, I have to, it's almost like going on a first date again. Uh, the idea you have to, you have to tell people, you know, your accomplishments and your experiences and you know, tell people that you've had successful lives. And, and that takes a lot of energy. And, and more importantly, in that effort to communicate to people that uh, you've had a successful life, uh, you may begin to have your own self-doubts. You know, did I really have a successful life? So the idea of being in a place where nobody knows your name, to use the you know use this sort of the slogan, uh, can be can be potentially terrifying. Very different when you live in a place uh, for some time. You you have friends; they know who you are. They know you, what your accomplishments. They and they put up with your quirks and they put up with your you know your uh, downsides because they like you overall. So staying put avoids some of the potential stress of uh, being in a place where. Uh, there's an uncertainty whether or not you'll feel like you belong, 
uh, like you feel like you belong in your current place of residence. So that's part of a, part of the aspects of aging in place. Um, some and some older people you know, like to remain in their own home, particularly homeowners, uh, because uh, in many ways it's an, it's an estate planning approach. And what do I mean by that? Is that uh, uh, very often uh, a, a sizable share of older people have uh, uh, houses that have uh, uh, they paid off their mortgages. And uh, when they die, they'd like to leave that house uh, to their children. And it's sort of a way to, you know, pass some of their own wealth onto their children. And by staying put in their own home, it gives them one uh, mechanism by which they can uh, pass their uh, wealth onto their children when they die. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like fundamentally when people s- say they want to age in place, it's it's that they, they don't want to uh, move or perhaps have to move. And then that some of this is about uh, wanting to be in familiar surroundings. Some of it is reluctance to to move, which can be stressful and may force you to have to, to rebuild your, your social connections or at least feel that kind of um, social uncertainty that many of us remember from moving to a new school. Absolutely. Know, instance, and, and, young. and something very basic, something very basic, uh, uh, something very basic that we take for granted, you know, the, you know, the uh, occupational therapist as well as other professionals often look at the older person's dwelling and say, well, there's all kinds of uh, falling hazards in this house and, uh, and, uh, and, and it's too big and uh, the, and uh, you really should move to uh, a different place that is uh, uh, makes it less likely that you're going to fall, for example. Mm-hmm. Well, the older person has a different view of the world. They say, well, I know every nook and cranny of my house. I know exactly where all these uh, clutter is and where all the places I can fall are. And, you know, if the, if the lights go out, if there's a, th- a thunderstorm, the lights go out, I can navigate my house in the dark very easily. And if I move to a new place, it'll take me years for me to acquire that kind of familiarity with everything, where everything is. So staying put is familiar not only from the point of view of neighborhood and community and friends, but it's also uh, it, it, this, this, the advantages of living in a dwelling that you really know where all the uh, uh, possible places to fall are and you know how to navigate around your house very easily. And that, that's an important aspect that many older people uh, feel about. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so um, so now, of course, eventually, uh, for many people, if they stay in their longtime home, certain uh, disadvantages or trade-offs come up. And so um, based on your experience and research, can you tell us um, a little bit of what comes up that are, you know, the challenges that have to be perhaps overcome or considered, the trade-offs that have to be considered when people stay as they get older? So we all want to live as long as possible and, and also live as healthily, healthfully as possible. Um, one of the interesting downsides of living longer is that we often outlive our friends and, and some of our close relatives. Uh, so that the danger is uh, that an older person finds himself in, a, in, a, in, a, in an apartment building or a condo building or a neighborhood, whereas once upon a time they knew most of their friends and their neighbors, uh, now they find that, uh, in fact, it's, uh, 
difficult to find people who they can even say hello to. So one of the disadvantages of staying put for a longer time in your in your current dwelling is that uh, the social advantages that once were present are no longer there. Uh, I mean, very often, for example, a neighborhood will change in, in its um, uh, uh, demographics, and whereas once upon a time uh, you you uh, you would uh, enjoy interacting with your neighbors. Uh, now that's much more difficult. So that, that's one possible downside. And, and what we know is that, unfortunately, this feeling of being isolated and this feeling of loneliness is, is, is probably one of those understated uh, 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 problems that older people face when they stay put in the same house. Uh, but there's all kinds of other issues. And, for example, the challenge that many older people face is that when they begin to have difficulty, for example, getting around or perhaps even driving their car, uh, suddenly uh, a place of residence that once was very convenient and accessible uh, no longer becomes so. Uh, if you have trouble driving, if you have trouble getting a lift with a, with a friend, uh, suddenly uh, a neighborhood that once was very accessible becomes very inaccessible, and that can be very frustrating. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, other aspects too is is older people have to be confident that you know as much as we'd like to believe that we won't have health problems or or, or mobility problems as we get older, uh, even people who live as healthfully as possible confront these kinds of, of, of deficits. And we have to make sure if you're living in a place where you can easily get to your doctors and easily reach your long-term care supports when you need it. So accessibility is very important. And, and a place that once was accessible may, may change over time, uh, not only because uh, you have problems getting around, but, per, but perhaps too your familiar doctors uh, or, you know, doctors themselves go die and go out of business and, and, and that familiar grocery store is no longer there. Uh, and once again, familiar friends have, have disappeared. So, uh, that's, that's certainly, uh, one source of, of problems of older people have. And, and then, of course, there's the financial issues. Uh, amazingly, this generation of older people today are more likely than any other generation to still be paying off mortgages on their oh, house. Wow. Uh, even into the into people, amazing statistics. Even people into their 80s, a sizable share are still paying off their loans, and hmm. and there's a lot of reasons for that. But but the bottom line is uh, that may not have been a problem when the older person was working and had a steady stream of income, but uh, when they find themselves uh, uh, relying primarily on uh, social security and perhaps a, a modest pension. Uh, suddenly, uh, those financial demands of, of uh, paying off that mortgage, and more generally, just keeping up the property taxes and the insurance payments of the house, uh, can become burdensome. So uh, that certainly is uh, 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 an issue that older people should be uh, uh, vigilant about watching to make sure that they don't feel s- so stressed paying for uh, their housing or their apartment rents that... Uh, as a result, they have to cut back on other things uh, uh, that might be very valuable for them in, in terms of improving their lifestyle. Right. So, in other words, uh, most people um, 
want to age in place, but for many people that'll end up um, posing some challenges and disadvantages that, especially if they start to have difficulty driving or getting around, um, they can easily find themselves socially isolated. And it can be a little bit perhaps harder to get some of the necessary support. And then also if their house, uh, even though people feel their houses are very familiar, I've certainly had patients who have struggled because of um, a few steps to get up and down the front stairs can be challenging if they've had an injury or some kind of change to their mobility. That's an excellent point, Leslie. And 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 at the risk of uh, uh, overwhelming uh, uh, your listeners, uh, just a little bit of theory, but it's a very straightforward idea. And you really pointed to it. You know, a lot of the positive aspects of where we live when we get older have to do that it gives us pleasure. We we, we feel we're living in a comfortable place, an enjoyable place. We feel we belong, etc. cetera. Um, but there's another set of emotional feelings that kick in uh, that often put older people on, uh, what should we say, an emotional tightrope. Because on the one hand, even though they're feeling that their house is very comfortable to live in and they feel attached and they have good friends and, uh, and, and, and so on, at the same time, because they have... Uh, they experience some limitations in their ability to get around. They have arthritis or they may have uh, 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 back pain. And, and so all of a sudden, a house that once was easy to get around and navigate becomes more difficult and, and, and less safe. So even though they're feeling comfortable in the house, increasingly older people feel a little less competent. They don't feel quite in control of their of their environment and their lives as they used to, and and and, and that's a challenge because uh, older people are pulled in in two opposite directions. On, on the one hand, uh, gr- this is a great house to live in. It's pretty. It's comfortable. I have good friends. On the other hand, you know this is this house is getting a little more difficult to uh, manage. Uh, uh, I don't want to take care of the lawn anymore. I don't want to uh, worry about the uh, maintaining uh, all the repairs and the, and the, and the usual uh, upgrades that characterize an older housing. So on the one hand, older people feel what I call in their comfort zone, but then increasingly they feel out of their mastery zone. That is, they feel less competent. They feel less in control of their environment. And that can be a very frustrating emotional experience uh, for older people. Right. Well, for instance, you titled your book, not aging in place, but aging in the right place. And what does that mean to age in the right place? And that d- does that mean a place where you feel both that, that comfort and that mastery and confidence in your ability to, to do what needs to be done in your environment? Absolutely. Uh, aging in the right place, very much in the ideal situation, older people not only feel they're living in a comfortable place and in they get enjoyment and uh, from their surrounding, uh, but also they feel that uh, uh, they can maintain their in- independence and autonomy. They they don't feel vulnerable. They feel they can do things and accomplish everything in their in, in their life. But there's another very important aspect to aging in the right place, uh, and uh, it's it's almost a reality check for all of us as we get older. Uh, there's no question that. Even if you take care of yourself and you, you're vigilant about your health, you know, bad things happen outside of our control. Even when we are you know, trying very hard to take care of our, our bodies and, 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 and are vigilant about our health and so on. Uh, but what constitutes 
successful aging, what constitutes the ability to live a, a good life in old age, is not whether or not you have problems or not. Rather, it's whether, it's whether or not you can cope successfully with dealing with these problems. The idea of coping with mm. adversity is very key in old age. And, and aging in the right place implies that you're living in a dwelling and a building and a neighborhood community where when you do experience problems, where problems your health or you feel lonely uh, or you have unfortunately recently been widowed or you have a financial setback, uh, aging in the right place means that you're living in a place that where you are able to find solutions, where you're able to find strategies to, as much as possible, blunt those problems, to, to minimize those problems, to deal with those problems. So we're all going to, not all, but most of us are going to have some problems when we get older. The key in living in the right, aging in the right place, is that where you live, you can access those supports, those solutions, uh, those remedies that will minimize or at least uh, help you effectively deal with the typical problems of, of getting old. Right, help you work around them. Exactly. Yes, I often feel a little frustrated when I hear that the goal is for people to be healthy because I feel like a lot of my work is is helping people who have health problems and who have chronic impairments of their bodies or of their minds um, and that the work is to help them still thrive despite those uh, those challenges that they're facing. That they're, Often there's quite a lot that we can do. But if we sort of cut it off as, are you healthy or not, I feel like we leave a lot of people to the side. Exactly. And that it's almost never to, uh, it's, it's always possible to support someone who's having difficulties so that they can participate more and, and thrive more. And that it's especially important for an older population. You know, in my book and uh, my writings, I, I talk about uh, what I refer to as groupthink. And uh, it focuses on the idea that older people are continuing get, getting messages suggesting that unless they are healthy and active and energetic and uh, uh, are always engaged, that somehow they're not living successful lives and they're not living uh, the best of old age. And I think older people have to recognize that uh, very often we experience health declines and we experience social losses of people we love and uh, we don't necessarily we don't necessarily have to try to maintain the same level of activity and the same involvement and the same uh, uh, energetic pace of living as we were as we did when we were younger and there's nothing wrong, for example, with uh, spending a good part of your day playing computer games or playing cards or even watching TV if that makes you happy. Uh, I have an accountant I know whose idea of the best way of living in old age is successfully is uh, to read the, uh, what he considers to be the 100 best written books in uh, in in uh, in uh, our our country, and he says, when I get through the hundred books, he says, that's when I'll know that I've aged successfully. So, ah. the idea, the point is that, um, 
And, and AARP is often guilty of this. It, it paints a sort of one-sided view of what it means to age successfully. And, and, and older people have to recognize that they have to uh, do what's good for themselves, what, what they feel good about. Uh, I just read a, um, and I can't recall the source, unfortunately, uh, uh, people were asked uh, when they were dying, they were in hospice, uh, what are the things that you regret the most in your life? And mm-hmm. one of the responses that they gave was, well, one of the things I regret the most is that I didn't do the things that I wanted to do. I was always listening to what other people tell me I should be doing. And uh, I regret that I didn't fulfill some of my own private wishes and, 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 and personal uh, goals. And mm-hmm. one of the dangers of a groupthink of a society that means well and, and, and sort of prescribes a one, uh, a one strategy uh, solution to aging well is that it won't fit individual idiosyncrasies. It won't fit individual differences. And uh, uh, I think uh, all of us, when we get older, should be cognizant of uh, balancing of what society th- tells us to do or, or we think society tells us to do and our professionals tell us to, what to do. Balance that with what our own personal needs, our own personal goals that uh, might uh, be more in harmony with our own uh, individualities. Mm. Yes, no, I think that's an, an important point. Now, I find, at least, you know, being a physician is that people, you know, for instance, people may want to, let's say, uh, watch TV all day, and that they may not realize that if they continue to do that, that's going to jeopardize one of their other goals, which is to remain fit enough to uh, be walking around their house and live in their home as long as they wanted to. So, so I do think sometimes there's there's the the catch that people don't always realize the longer implications of a certain choice that they might make, or for instance, older people who stay in their homes and become quite socially isolated, and may not realize how much that is is a uh, is weighing on them. Well, I agree. And, and let me take the devil's advocate position. And that yeah, is yeah. Uh, being emotionally attached to your dwelling and and feeling comfortable in your dwelling is for the most part a good thing, but it does have downsides. And that is, you have to be sure that, uh, uh, that by staying put in your current home and not considering other alternatives, that you're missing out on other opportunities. So that mm-hmm. uh, uh, being strongly emotionally attached to your dwelling can have a downside in the sense that uh, you c- potentially close off other avenues of interest. So that if you move to, for example, to uh, an active adult community or you move to a, uh, uh, another kind of condominium with uh, uh, other older people living there, then in fact you might be experiencing... Uh, 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 an environment that might be more desirable for you and that uh, would be more supportive of you. And uh, by closing that opportunity off, by being too attached to where you currently live, uh, uh, could be then uh, a potential downside. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, so we've talked a fair bit about aging in place and some of the pros and cons. And, and we've noted that um, right now, that's what the public often says that they prefer, and that a lot of policymakers endorse that as a goal. But you've challenged that in your book, and you feel it should be reconsidered. So 
In your opinion, what would be a sounder goal for policymakers rather than trying to make it possible for everyone to age in place? What do you think we should aim for as a society? Well, one of my concerns is that a certain share of older people who are aging in place are doing so because they feel trapped in place. And mm. what I mean by that is that uh, they don't see any viable uh, alternatives to remaining in their current homes, whether apartments or, 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 or owned units, owned dwellings. Uh, so what I would like to see both the private and the public sector uh, initiate is uh, to make available to the older demographic more housing opportunities, especially affordable housing opportunities, that are actually geared to a, a, a simpler life, a less uh, costly housing situation, uh, a more uh, amenable neighborhood that is accessible to uh, both people and things. Uh, and I think there's a shortage right now of, of simple private sector produced uh, apartment and condominiums and small, for example, townhome, townhome kinds of, of uh, ownership that I think uh, a larger share of older people would actually take advantage of if it was out there. And uh, right now I feel that that's, uh, uh, that, that alternative is often lacking in, in many of the urban metropolitan areas that uh, older people find themselves. Uh, another possibility is, is uh, are very simple strategies whereby a local government, for example, can make life easier for older people. So, for example, in uh, my community, uh, Gainesville, Florida, uh, the local government uh, is subsidizing the fares of Uber transportation alternatives. Now, this is crucial. This is What this means is that uh, uh, for a much more affordable price than in the past, uh, older people have that ability to quickly uh, call on Uber and immediately go to their destinations. Uh, the alternatives that we've had in the past, things we call paratransit, uh, where one of the problems, of course, well, a couple of problems is often the destinations are more limited where they can go to. Uh, often they can't go to the destinations on Saturday or Sunday or in the evening hours. And, well, it often and, takes and, them a while to show up. To and they take, and more importantly, the, they the have to plan twenty four hours. Yes. They have to plan mm -hmm. twenty four hours in advance. This is a this is not normal aging. <laughs> this is not this is not uh, a supportive. Well, it's not fight. convenient. It's, it's not a convenient. very inconvenient option. We had many patients who were relying on paratransit, and it always seemed, uh, it often seemed quite burdensome. To right, use. and so what you're finding actually is uh, interestingly that healthcare facilities like hospitals, for example are in fact uh, making arrangements with Uber uh, as a way to uh, find economical ways to, uh, for older people, uh, for example, to uh, make their doctor's appointments. What we know is, uh, and I'm sure you're, you've told your readers, your listeners uh, many times over, that one of the problems that uh, happens is that older people miss their appointments and not because necessarily they're negligent, but sometimes they just can't get the transportation to get there. And, right. and so uh, making this kind of arrangement 
with a uh, Uber uh, provider and, and subsidizing the cost, in fact, is a win-win. It's a win, obviously, for the older person, but it's also a win for the hospitals uh, and for the clinics uh, because whatever the cost of subsidizing these rides, in fact, uh, they make it over many times over by not wasting the time and uh, in the form of missed appointments and, uh, and, 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 and just as importantly, not being able to communicate to the older person an important health message or, or do an important uh, checkup or, or follow up and, and so on. So uh, the financial rewards uh, are only one aspect of, of this kind of policy of subsidizing transportation. Uh, it's a win-win both for the places like hospitals and clinic, but also for older people who have that flexibility, as you, as you indicated, uh, and convenience of being able to get to a place on relatively short notice, as opposed to right. trying to 24 hour advance, uh, uh, scheduling, which is, uh, certainly, uh, not desirable. No, no, not at all. So, um, okay. So there are some things that governments can do now. I want to come back to the sort of question of where people should live, because that's often a very pragmatic question that people think about. And so it sounds like right now, if somebody were to ask you, I want to age in place, you might tell them, well, what's most important is to age in the right place. And then how do they determine um, where is the right place to age for now and for the future? Like, what should a person do if they're thinking... I want to make sure I can age in the right place. What are their options and how, how can they go about sorting that out? I think the key is information. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, there is a tremendous amount of information out there, uh, both on the web and as well as in uh, uh, professional offices and, and so on. Uh, what's important, I think, is to try to be sensitive and appreciative and understanding of your individual circumstances. Uh, uh, most of us will have uh, friends or family uh, members who we can bounce ideas off. And I think it's very important for the older person to say, what's best for me? Uh, I don't really care what AARP is saying. I don't care what the media is saying. You know, I don't want to buy into all this hype. What will make me happy? And what is consistent with the way I've conducted my life in terms of uh, what I find to be uh, uh, the most desirable aspect of where I live, and and from that perspective, uh, how can I how can I achieve those kinds of uh, environmental goals, those living goals, uh, uh, either by staying put or moving somewhere else? And um, moving, you know, moving is is very hard. It's it's psychologically hard. It's physically hard. It's emotionally hard to move. Uh, and uh, uh, we all have uh, acquaintances we know who say, you know, I'd really like to move out of this place, but it's such a hassle to move and so much energy. Uh, so as much as possible, I would like to see that uh, older people not have moving the moving process itself as an obstacle. As much as possible, they should say to themselves, well, if I can eliminate the whole hassles of moving, where would I live and where would be a, a more desirable place? Instead of mm. staying in this, this home, which is, frankly, uh, no longer really meets all my needs, there's a nice high-rise condominium that has a health club uh, uh, in a neighborhood not far from here. Uh, 
Uh, I would like older persons to to carefully consider that option, uh, but at the same time not be discouraged by the the challenges of actually moving day. So I think that's important. The other aspect is something we've touched on before is know thyself. Know your needs, know your goals, uh, know your limitations. That's part of it. The second part of it is much more difficult, and that is projecting what your needs will be going forward. We have a right. great deal of difficulty planning. Uh, uh, Americans are terrible planners for their old age uh, in terms of thinking about their finances, thinking about their health, thinking about where they live. Uh, uh, it's very difficult for us to project forward and say, what would happen if I? And I think that would be a good that would be a good exercise for older people is to make a list uh, of uh, scenarios where they would say, what if this happens? What if my health goes down? What if I have trouble getting around? What if I begin to have uh, uh, some early stages, memory problems and, and cognitive deficit? Uh, what if these things happen? Uh, mm. How am I likely to respond? At least to think of this before it happens. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're not good at dealing with stressful events that have uh, uh, a, a temporal immediacy that, that are going to afflict us very quickly. So as much as possible, uh, at least make that grocery list up of saying, what are my possibilities, what are my possible strategies if these things happen? Uh, mm -hmm. At least then, the, when those events do happen, uh, the older person says, well, you know, I've given some thought to this already. You know, it's never quite the same when the event happened, but at least I've given some thought and some deliberations and, uh, and therefore I'm not uh, dealing with this issue uh, uh, with a, a, a blank tablet. I've already given it some thought. So I think right, that's important. Right. Yeah. I often tell uh, the families I work with that uh, you want to hope for the best, but plan for the, uh, the likely and then the quite possible. So a certain number of people have been diagnosed with illnesses where we sort of know what's likely to happen eventually. And so, you know, I encourage people to plan a little bit for what they think they would want when that comes to pass. And then there are things that we just know uh, could easily happen, such as a fall when you um, live alone and you're not able to get up easily and, and get help and sort of having thought through a plan for, for what you could do in those situations. So... So uh, I agree that it's good if we can uh, encourage people to think ahead, but people do seem to find it really difficult, um, difficult to do. So let's talk a little bit about different options for, for finding support uh, when one is aging, for perhaps making where you are a, a better place to age in the right place. And I was thinking especially of two ideas I've heard about, which are naturally occurring retirement communities and senior villages. Can you talk a little bit about those? And are those right now a viable option for many older adults? Or do you think they will become uh, more widely available? So naturally occurring retirement communities is actually not an option. But, but what happens is that when older people en masse grow older in the same place, a typical neighborhood, for example, uh, eventually that neighborhood begins to look like a retirement community in the sense that a high share of the occupants are older. Uh, the key to recognizing this is uh, 
is on Halloween night. Uh, all of a sudden, over the years, there's fewer and fewer people, uh, children, coming to trick-or-treating in your house because the children have long now left the neighborhood and, and the neighborhood has become older. And I've always advocated, actually, that as long as the neighborhood is relatively uh, stable and intact, that it's much more desirable, frankly, uh, to live with people of my own generation, of my own age, who share my concerns and who understand the same histories that I went through. So I've always been uh, an advocate uh, of the benefits of older people living in a neighborhood where most of the people are of the same stage in life as me. This is controversial. There are those mm. who, mm-hmm. uh, they're very big on what they call intergenerational relationships. Essentially, that means that, that, that uh, for some older people, uh, the idea is that uh, they want to live among younger people and, and not live among people their own age. Uh, I'm not a big supporter of this. I think we can argue that throughout our whole lives, uh, most of the time, uh, we have lived with other people who are of the same stage in life as ours. When, whether mm-hmm. we're students, when we're in summer camp, when we're uh, single young adults, when we're young married families with children, uh, we don't think twice about whether these younger people uh, should be living with other younger people. We find it okay. We don't question it. Somehow, when people get older, we begin to question the the notion that other older people should live with other older people. And there's there's some reasons for that, but for the most part, I think there are more benefits than costs to living with people your own age. Isn't there a difference between living in a community where there are a lot of people who are like you, sort of similar age and stage of life, shall we say, versus living in a community where... Uh, uh, almost everybody is like you, right? Isn't there a certain difference? There is a difference. Um, so you could have a, a neighborhood where there are sort of 50 or 60% of the true. residents are older, um, as opposed to some of these communities that were developed for people who are of a certain age or above, where where really you have basically 95% of the people who are of a certain sure. age. Well, my argument would be that even if you're living in a neighborhood where 40 or 50% of the people are your own age, that most of your interactions and most of your relationships will be with those persons of your own age. Uh, And that uh, the idea that there are other younger people in the neighborhood uh, may look good on paper, but in fact, from the point of view of your lifestyle and what makes you feel good, in fact, uh, a large number of older people would argue I, I'm most comfortable interacting with people my own age. To be sure, this is this is not this is controversial and 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 like everything else, people are people are different. Older people are different. Um, one of the advantages of living in a neighborhood in which there is a predominant number of people your own age, and for that matter, creating affordable. Uh, subsidized rental housing that is targeting only older people is one of the advantages is that suddenly the older person is not an individual consumer anymore, but rather the older person is part of a uh, larger consumer group. That is to say, 
it's much easier, for example, if you introduce a social worker into a building when it's uh, when they're trying to service 100 older people, because the cost of that social worker can be spread over uh, those 100 persons. So it's much more economically advantageous to provide uh, supports when there is this large critical mass, when there's this large uh, concentration of older persons who are consumers to uh, be addressed. This is the basis for the latest uh, uh, alternative on the block, which we call elder villages. And essentially, the elder village is, is it's not what you think it might be. It, it's a group of older people in a neighborhood or a community who decide that there are advantages to becoming uh, organizationally linked, such that uh, they charge a very modest membership fee. And in return for that membership fee, uh, all the older persons who opted to participate can form a, a, an organization, and often a nonprofit organization, whereby they may hire, for example, a part-time a social worker or a part-time nurse to uh, offer advice and counsel uh, to all the people in the elder village. Very often, one of the advantages of this uh, membership in the elder village is that uh, the membership encourage a great deal of volunteerism. And so volunteers can, for example, assist some of the older residents who might have difficulty getting to places, give them rides. Or they can organize social events for the for the for their residents, but just as importantly, one of the advantages of the elder village is the idea that the older person no longer is just a single consumer, but rather a member of a consumer group. So, for example, it's easier for the uh, administration of an elder village to go to vendors, repair people, uh, delivery mm-hmm. services, and say, "Look." We have 150 older persons here who would use your service. If you give us a discounted price, we'll make sure that all the older consumers in our in our village will, as much as possible, use your service. Right. Uh, so, in many ways, the elder village serves as a uh, a device to give the older consumer more power, more consumer spending power. Also. One of the things the Elder Village does is almost like an Angie's List, is that it vets, it, it screens potential vendors and, and gives a list of vendors to the members of the Elder Village and say, uh, these guys uh, are, are, are pretty reliable. And uh, uh, you might even get a okay. discounted service, but they seem to be more reliable than others. So do these work? What do we know about how well they work when people are worried, you know, I'm not sure my mom should keep living home alone. Do we know if, if uh, getting her signed up for the local elder village, does, does that make it, it, it helps. enough of a difference? It's, it's, yes, it helps. Uh, is it the end-all solution? No. But to the extent that, that the older person can reduce the burden, reduce the stress of dealing with some of the problems of getting older, then it can only be helpful. The, the, the fee is a relatively modest fee, something in the order of averaging nationwide about $500 to $1,000 a year, whether or not you're a single or a married couple. So it's a rather, a pretty s- small f- 
fee in, in the scheme of things. Interestingly, most of the participants in elder villages tend to be more middle class. They don't tend to be very poor and they don't tend to be very rich. They sort of in the middle. Uh, and they find it advantageous. Uh, uh, if nothing else, it's, it's an important source of information. Well, it creates a social community, too. And a potential social sure community. Is, you know, a social neighborhood community, too. So here, here's the problem, Leslie, is that, especially in this, in this uh, society we live in today, you know, many of us feel this need to practice this rugged individualism where we're supposed to take care of everything ourselves. What the Elder Village points to is something, you know, that we, uh, former uh, uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton once said, is that it takes a village to, right. to achieve our goals. And to the extent that some of our problems and issues can be more easily remedied by membership in this kind of support group uh, that doesn't have any stigma of government, that's very important, it doesn't have any stigma of government services, elder villages are, are membership-driven uh, organization by ordinary older people themselves. It has nothing to do with government services. There's no stigma attached. To the extent that we can benefit from that kind of support, uh, I think it's a win-win. Is it? Is it the mm -hmm. ultimate solution? No, because uh, when older persons in an elder village start uh, experiencing some very more challenging mobility issues of having difficulties in self-care, uh, for example, uh, there's limitations to what the elder village can help them with. Uh, right. So it, it's not an end-all solution, but it's one, I would call it one piece of the puzzle that is supportive. Okay. Yes. Well, it's good to know that those um, that those exist in some places and hopefully we'll, we'll see more of them as the older population continues to grow. Well, I would like to finish our conversation by asking you to, two last questions. So one, I was wondering if you could share sort of how you yourself are planning to age in the right place. I believe you're part of the boomer generation. So this might be something that you're, you're thinking about at some point. And then the other one is I find that sometimes when the aging in place conversation comes up, that there's a little bit this dilemma, which is, should one move earlier to a place where one could get, you know, more access to more support? for the challenges that may well come on, or should one stay where one is and then, you know, move if you start finding yourself out of your mastery zone, as it were, or otherwise struggling. So I feel like some people can struggle with that decision because there are some people who say, well, you should move earlier because then you'll have time to settle in and, and get to know it. And she won't be making that, um, you know, separate from the work of a move, you know, it takes a while to feel at home in a new place. And then there are others who, who say, uh, well, you know, move when you have to, or that often ends up happening to people just because they haven't moved. So I was wondering if you had a thought on which one tends to serve people better and also what approach you're planning to take for yourself. So if I follow my own uh, teachings, mm -hmm. right now, I feel both in my comfort zone I enjoy where I live. I'm comfortable where I live. And uh, given my uh, uh, capabilities, fortunately, I still feel relatively competent and in control of where I live right now. And tell us briefly, do you live in a home that you've lived in for a long time, a sort of single family home? 
with or without steps? So I live in a so I live in a uh, quintessential uh, uh, popular single-family dwelling in a cul-de-sac neighborhood in uh, a small urban community of Gainesville, Florida. Uh, there's no question that uh, if for some reason I lost my ability to drive, I would have to uh, totally reevaluate my situation. So it's not, you can't quite walk to grocery stores. No, I can't walk anywhere. There's no question I can't walk. And in that sense, I think I'm consistent with a large number of older people today who are living in in American suburbs. So that would be something I would have to uh, revise my thinking. So right now, uh, uh, I have paid off. Let's say when you retire. That's the time when often people start rethinking where they live is at retirement, when one is no longer tied to a job. Right. So uh, I have uh, a daughter who lives in New York, uh, who's, a, by the way, a dermatologist. And uh, we are able to uh, achieve uh, rather frequent and regular visits because uh, uh, of uh, each of us uh, visiting each other. Uh, we can interact, we do interact every night using uh, FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I can immediately interact uh, with my uh, just over two-year-old uh, uh, granddaughter and my uh, under one-year-old baby easily. Uh, I'm living in a house that I paid off my mortgage, so it's quite affordable. It's a very safe neighborhood, and it is in fact a uh, a NORC or a naturally occurring retirement community in the sense that uh, a very high share of these uh, residents have never moved and they've been living here for uh, uh, 30 plus years and so it has become an older community uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy about. And I, I guess I do miss sometimes not having trick-or-treaters coming on Halloween night but not that much. Uh, okay. Uh, so, in terms of accessibility, I have a tremendous familiarity with uh, uh, who to go to in terms of my doctors uh, and my health care provisions. Uh, uh, we so, have are some, you planning to stay or we are have you some going very to close- look for a... <laughs> <laughs> so, we have, so, we have very close friends. So, uh, so aging You're in the place. Pros. So aging okay. in place is is right now uh, my desired alternative. And mm-hmm. to which you say, well, that's really unfair, uh, Doctor Glant. You've been telling people that aging in place might not be so hot for them, and that's absolutely true. But I've engaged in a decision making process, in an evaluation process, where I've weighed the idea of staying put or moving elsewhere. And at least at, at this current point in my life. Uh, aging in place is a desired option. Now, the most important and difficult challenge is one which you've raised earlier, is that what if? What if my health goes downhill? What if I lose the ability to drive? Uh, what if some of my close friends die off before me? Uh, and uh, when that happens, I'm afraid I'm going to be in the uh, in not taking my own advice, and I'll be sharing the decision-making conundrums of most older people, whereupon uh, I only will make that decision, I think, when I'm really confronted with a, a considerable amount of, uh, of uh, motivation to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the best advice? No, but it, is, it, is it 
likely to occur among most older Americans? Yes. The big difference, right. big difference, however, how I single myself out is one, I've done a careful evaluation of the pros and cons of staying put. And two, I do have a what if list of saying, if I do go downhill in some way, uh, these are some of the options that I would consider. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, I think I think it does make a big difference whether one has carefully considered the options and the trade-offs and then made a selection versus following a certain path because one hasn't carefully thought it through and carefully considered alternatives. It's an important distinction, even though you can end up with the same result. <laughs> Either way. Well, thank you so much for all these insights. Do you have any last tips or suggestions or favorite resources to share with the audience? I would only argue is uh, uh, try to keep as optimistic and positive as possible. And uh, and uh, as much as possible, try to be resilient. And some people, it's easier than others. But uh, resiliency, individual resiliency is, I think, a key to successful aging. The ability to the ability to deal with the unexpected, to deal with both whether positive or negative, to uh, uh, not give up uh, when confronted with problems, but rather to deal with them head on and to uh, try to uh, uh, practice uh, uh, that resiliency that will allow you to uh, age in the right place. Right. And then I'm just going to add something that you mentioned before, which is to support efforts to have affordable housing that is tailored to the needs of older adults, because certainly the extent to which as a society, we, we help facilitate some of these options that gives people more options later on. Absolutely agree. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of Better Health While Aging. If you have any questions about something you heard in this episode, you can post them on the show notes page for the episode. I'll also be posting some links to Professor Golant's book and some of his very interesting articles. To find the show notes, visit betterhealthwhileaging.net and click podcast in the main menu at the top. Last but not least, if you've been enjoying the podcast, don't forget to support us by subscribing on iTunes. And if you've already done that, please leave a rating and review. This makes it easier for others to discover our show on iTunes and I would love for the many people who are interested in health or aging or family caregivers to be able to find it and give it a chance. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Leslie Kernison, and I'm looking forward to you joining us for future episodes.